Shalom, and I would like to welcome everybody to the Hebraic Heritage Ministries Yeshiva Discipleship Program. We are currently studying the biblical festivals. In this session, we will be continuing our studies on the subject of Yom Teruah, or also commonly called Rosh Hashanah. The subject of this teaching is the themes of Yom Teruah Part 2. This will be our last session in examining the Feast of Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah. In reviewing and examining the various themes of Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, the following themes are associated with this festival. Number one, this is known as Teshuva or the season of repentance. Number two, this is known as Rosh Hashanah, which means the head of the year. This festival is associated with Yom Teruah, which is the day of the shout or the day of the awakening blast. It is associated with Yom Hadin, which means the Day of Judgment. It is associated with Yom HaZikaron. It is a Day of Remembrance. It is associated with Hamelik, which means the King, or the Coronation Day of the King. It is associated with the Days of Awe, the Days Between Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur are known as the Days of Awe and they are a prophetic foreshadowing of the Tribulation period. Next, it is associated with the opening of the gates of heaven. It is taught that the gates of heaven are opened on Rosh Hashanah to let the prayers of the repentant to be received during this season of judgment. It is associated with Kedushan or Nesuin, which is the Hebrew terms for the biblical wedding because this festival is associated with the last trump and the last trump is associated with the resurrection of the dead and when we get resurrected, we will be going to a wedding ceremony with Yeshua the Messiah. Finally... A theme associated with Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah is Yom HaKiseh, which in Hebrew means the hidden day. Yom Teruah is known as the day of the shout or the day of the awakening blast. In Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 24, it is written, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, In the seventh month, In the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath, a memorial, a blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. So in Hebrew, it is written that this is a time of the teruah, which means a blast or a shout. So Rosh Hashanah is known as the day of the awakening blast. A teruah can also be translated from the Hebrew as being a shout or a loud shout. Therefore, a theme associated with Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is to awaken those who have fallen into spiritual slumber. One of the reasons for the blowing and the sounding of the shofar is it is meant to arouse those who have fallen asleep spiritually. Now let's look at examples of blowing the shofar in the scriptures. Number one, the Torah was given to Israel with the sound of a shofar. Exodus or Shemot chapter 19 verse 19. Number two, Israel conquered Jericho with the blast of the shofar. Joshua chapter 6 and verse 20. Number three, Israel will be advised of the advent of the Messiah with the sound of the shofar. Zechariah chapter 9 verse 14 and verse 16. 
the shofar will be blown at the time of the ingathering of the exiles of Israel, Isaiah or Yeshiyahu chapter 27 verse 13. Number five, the shofar was blown to signal the assembly of the Israelites for war, Judges chapter 3 verse 27 and Second Samuel chapter 20 in verse 1. Number six, the watchman who stood upon Jerusalem's walls blew the shofar to give warning to the people of the God of Israel. Ezekiel or Yehezekiel chapter 33 verses 3 through 6. Number seven. The shofar was blown at the start of the Jubilee year. Leviticus or Vayikra chapter 25 and verse 9. Number eight. The shofar is a reminder that the God of Israel is sovereign. Psalms or Tehillim chapter 47 and verse 5. Number 9. The ram's horn or shofar is a reminder of Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac and the God of Israel's provision of a ram as a substitute. Genesis or Breshit chapter 22 and verse 13. Number 10. The shofar was blown to announce the beginning of festivals and the celebration of the new moon. Numbers or Bamibar chapter 10 verse 10 and Psalms or Tehillim chapter 81 in verses 1 through 3. Number 11. The blowing of the shofar is also a signal for a call to repentance. Isaiah or Yeshiyahu chapter 58 and verse 1. The blowing of the shofar is associated with the warning of the coming of the day of the Lord or the darkness part of the messianic era. Joel or Yoel chapter 2 verse 1. Number 13. The blowing of the shofar will be sounded at the resurrection of the dead. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 16. Number 14. John, or Yochanan, was taken up to heaven by the sound of a shofar in Revelation chapter 4 and verse 1 when he was on the Isle of Patmos and was shown those things in the future that are to come. Number 15. Seven trumpets, or shofarim, are sounded when the God of Israel judges the earth during the tribulation period. And this is found in Revelation chapters 8 and 9. Number 16, the shofar is used for the coronation of biblical kings. 1 Kings or Melachim chapter 1 verse 34 and verse 39. In traditional Judaism, the shofar is sounded during the season of Teshuvah except on the Sabbath. This is explained in the Jewish Book of Why, pages 228 and 229. There are three basic sounds made with the shofar. These sounds are called a tikia, a teruah, and a shefarim. They represent the following. A tikia is a blast or a short bass note ending abruptly. A teruah, or a trump, is a long resonant blast. And a shepherim is associated with quavers, or a series of trills. In sounding the shofar, in celebration of the festival of Yom Teruah, there will be specific shofar sounds that will be made. One of those order of sounds is a tikia, a shofarim teruah, and a tikia. And in a traditional Jewish service of Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah, those sounds will be followed by the blast of the shofar. That's associated with the tikia, shavarim, and the tikia. And finally, those sounds will be followed by the tikia, teruah, tikia. And the final sound of the shofar is a tikia, teruah, tikia, gadula. When the shofar is blown, there is a blessing that is recited for the hearing of the shofar. And the blessing in traditional Judaism is as follows. Blessed are the people who know the sound of the shofar. In the light of your countenance, O Lord, they shall walk. Blessed are they that dwell in your house. They shall be forever praising you. Selah. 
Blessed are the people to whom these things are so. Blessed are the people whose God is the Lord. The rabbis teach that the blessing is not necessarily under the one who blows the shofar who, or who is able to blow the shofar. The blessing is for those who know the meaning of the sound of the shofar. And so we just went over earlier the examples of the blowing of the shofar and what they are associated with. So your blessing is when the shofar is sounded that you know the meaning that is being communicated from the sounding of the shofar. Next we're going to look at 10 reasons for the blowing of the shofar. And these 10 reasons are given to us and enumerated by Rabbi Siyaji Gaon, who lived in the 9th century. These 10 reasons are found in the Art Scroll Rosh Hashanah Ashkenaz Machzor, which is the prayer book, and it's found on page 430. So looking at each one of these reasons for blowing the shofar, we will begin with reason number one which is that the shofar is blown to make a proclamation that the God of Israel is king over the whole earth, and he's the king of the universe. The first reason for blowing the shofar is because Rosh Hashanah, or Yom Teruah, marks the beginning of the creation of the world when the Holy One, blessed be He, created the world and reigned over it. In ancient Israel, it was customary at the beginning of the reign of a newly crowned king to sound the shofar to proclaim his ascent as sovereign king over his kingdom. The shofar was also blown to proclaim the anniversary of the beginning of the reign of a king over his kingdom. In like manner, on Rosh Hashanah, we proclaim and accept the kingship of our Creator, the God of Israel, who is the King of the universe. Therefore, the first reason in blowing the shofar is to proclaim the sovereignty of the God of Israel and to declare His kingship over the universe. What is the spiritual application to this? Yeshua is the king of Israel. We are told that Yeshua is the one who created the heavens and the earth, and it was willed by Yahweh the Father, but the heavens and the earth were created by the word, the spoken word of Yahweh who is personified in Yeshua the Messiah. In John chapter 1 and verse 49, it is written regarding Yeshua, Nathanael answered and said unto him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And then in Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 and 16, it is written, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by him were all things created, by Yeshua were all things created, that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created by him and for him. Yeshua is the king of kings. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 16, it is written, And he, that is Yeshua, has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The second reason for the blowing of the shofar is it is a warning to repent. Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is the first of the ten days of repentance and a shofar is sounded thereon to proclaim and to warn. Whoever wishes to repent, let him repent. If not, let him have remorse later. This is the way of kings. First, they forewarn the people through decrees, and whoever sins has no complaint. Therefore, the second reason for blowing the shofar is a warning to repent before the God of Israel. The God of Israel desires that all people would repent and put their faith, hope, and trust in Him. In Joel or Yoel chapter 3 verses 13 and 14, 
it is written, Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Multitudes and multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. You have to decide where you stand, whether you're going to believe in the God of Israel, whether you're going to repent of your sins, or whether you are going to remain an unbeliever and outside of the camp. In Jeremiah or Yermiyahu chapter 8 and verse 20, it is written, The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. The God of Israel desires that all people on the earth hear his call to repentance. In Zephaniah chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, it is written, Gather yourselves together, yea, gather together, O nation not desired, before the decree bring forth, before the day pass as the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you. Seek ye the Lord, all you meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. That is, humble yourselves, repent of your sins, and accept Yeshua as the Messiah, and follow the Torah and keep the commandments of the God of Israel. And it may be that you shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger, meaning that his anger and his wrath won't come upon you and overtake you. In Second Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, it is written, But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but he is long-suffering to us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. The third reason for blowing the shofar is it is to remind us to follow the Torah of the God of Israel. The third reason for blowing the shofar is a reminder of following and keeping the commandments of the God of Israel and to remind us on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah of our obligations unto the God of Israel to follow, observe, to do, and to keep His commandments to obey the Torah or the word of the God of Israel. What is the spiritual meaning and application that we can understand in our relationship with the God of Israel and how he redeems us from the world and the world system and he speaks to us to follow it and to keep his commandments? Well, Passover is linked to the Feast of Pentecost or Shabbat through the counting of the Omer, which is done between Passover and Shavuot. And traditional Judaism, Shavuot or Pentecost is called the Atzeret or the conclusion of Passover. That Pentecost or Shavuot is linked with Passover and the coming out of Egypt. How is this so? That is because spiritually, the coming out of Egypt is a type of the world in the world system and the ways of the world. And coming out of the world and the world system, we do so by putting the blood of the Lamb upon our doorposts, which is our hearts, which is accepting Yeshua as our Messiah and receiving the forgiveness of our sins. And once we do that, Yeshua said, if you love me, keep my commandments. So after we come out of Egypt, which is a type of the world and the world system, put the blood of the Lamb upon the doorpost, we are on a journey to Mount Sinai where the God of Israel teaches us of his word and teaches us of his ways. The God of Israel not only wants his people to leave Egypt, which is a type of the world, but he wants them to be redeemed, that is through the blood of Yeshua, which is associated with Passover, and to know him in a more intimate way, that is receiving a knowledge and an understanding of the ways of the God of Israel by knowing and following and practicing, observing and doing his word. This is how we come to a greater spiritual walk in Yeshua the Messiah. In Exodus chapter 19, verses 17 through 19, 
it is written, And Moses brought forth the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the nether part of the mount. So when Moses is escorting the people of the God of Israel to meet with him at Mount Sinai, which is where the Torah will be given, what happens at Mount Sinai? Continuing on in Exodus chapter 19, verses 18 and 19, it is written, And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke, because the Lord descended upon it in a fire, and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mount quaked greatly. And when the voice of the trumpet or the shofar sounded long and waxed louder and louder, so when the God of Israel, and we understand this to be Yeshua, gave the Torah at Mount Sinai, he did it with the sound of the shofar. The fourth reason for the blowing of the shofar is so that we would hear the word in the message of the prophets of the God of Israel. The fourth reason for blowing the shofar is to remind us of the words of the prophets which are compared, their words and their message is compared to the sounding of the shofar and to take warning or to listen to what they proclaim in the name of the God of Israel. In Ezekiel or Yehezekiel chapter 33 verses 1 through 7 it is written, Again, the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, speaking to Ezekiel, speak to the children of your people and say unto them, When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for a watchman, if when he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet or the shofar and warn the people. Then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet or the shofar and takes not warning, if the sword come and take him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet or the shofar and took not warning, his blood shall be upon him. But he that takes warning shall deliver his soul. But... If the watchman see the sword come and blow the trumpet or the shofar and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is a taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. So you, O son of man, I've set you as a watchman under the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear the word at my mouth and warn them from me. The fifth reason for the blowing of the shofar is so that we would pray for the rebuilding of the temple. The fifth reason for blowing the shofar is to remind us of the destruction of the temple and the battle alarms of the enemy. When we hear the shofar sound, we are to pray to the God of Israel for the rebuilding of the temple, as it is said, because you have heard, O my soul, the sound of the shofar. We beseech you, O Lord, to rebuild the temple. And this is based upon the words found in Jeremiah or Yirmiyahu chapter 4 in verses 19 and 20. Historically, Ezra erected an altar on Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah. Prior to the rebuilding of the second temple, an altar was erected and sacrifices began to be made on Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah prior to the laying of the foundation of the temple. In Ezra chapter 3 verses 1 and 2 and verse 6. It is written, And when the seventh month was come, that is Tishrei, and the children of Israel were in their cities, the people gathered themselves together as one man to Jerusalem. Then stood up Jeshua, the son of Yozadak, and his brethren, and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and his brethren, and builded the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings thereon, as it is written in the Torah of Moses, the man of God. From the first day of the seventh month began they to offer burnt offerings unto the Lord, but the foundation of the temple of the Lord was not yet laid. So they began to offer sacrifices historically in the rebuilding of the temple on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah. 
The sixth reason for the blowing of the shofar is to remember the binding of Isaac. The sixth reason for blowing the shofar is to remind us of the binding of Isaac, or Yitzhak, upon the altar, who offered his life to the God of Israel in the ram who was slaughtered in his place. Likewise, we need to also offer our lives to the God of Israel for the sanctification of his name so that our remembrance may ascend before him for our benefit. The significance of Genesis or Breshit 22 is the obedience of Abraham to offer his son Isaac as a burnt offering or an olah to the God of Israel upon the altar. The binding of Isaac to the altar is known as the Akedah. In Genesis or Breshit chapter 22, verses 1 through 14, it is written, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. And he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him therefore an olah, a burnt offering, upon one of the mountains which I will tell you of. One of the characteristics of a burnt offering is it is to be offered in joy and in thanksgiving with a willing, loving, and obedient heart. That is the characteristic of a burnt offering. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and cleaved the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkey, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. How did he worship the God of Israel? He offered Isaac as a burnt offering. He freely was willing to do this, and he did it with joy, which is a characteristic of a burnt offering. Likewise, Isaac had to do what he did freely as well this is how he worshiped the god of israel and how we are to worship the god of israel when he commands us to do something we should do it with joy love thanksgiving and obedience and abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon isaac his son and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and they went both of them together and isaac spoke unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. God himself will provide a lamb. So they went both of them together. Of course, this is a prophetic foreshadowing of Yeshua who, when he died on the tree, he did it as a burnt offering. He freely laid down his life, and the God of Israel freely permitted Yeshua to die on the tree. And they came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there, and laid the wood in order, and bound Isaac his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand, and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Hineni, here am I. And he said, Lay not your hand upon the lad, neither do anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God, and that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. This is a prophetic foreshadowing of Yeshua, the Lamb of the God of Israel, John 1.29, who would be caught in the thicket. He would be caught in the sins of the nation of Israel. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. What is the spiritual message and application of these events? 
Well, we are told in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, that when Abraham purposed in his heart to obey the God of Israel and offered Isaac upon the altar, Abraham believed that if Isaac was actually literally and physically slain, that the God of Israel would raise Isaac from the dead. So it says in Hebrews chapter 11, beginning in verse 17, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promise offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall your seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. Yeshua mentioned to us, that Abraham, in committing this act and in living his life, that he rejoiced to see the day of Yeshua. In John or Yochanan chapter 8, verse 56, it is written, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it, and he was glad. What was the day that Abraham rejoiced to see? It was the promise of the God of Israel that he would send Yeshua the Messiah into the world and offer him as an Ola or a burnt offering upon the altar or the tree as well. Here, Abraham is a type of Yahweh the Father and Isaac is a type of Yahweh the Son, Yeshua the Messiah. The event in Genesis 22 is prophetic of the God of Israel offering up his only son, Yeshua, willingly or as a burnt offering. In Genesis or Brashit 22 verse 7, Isaac asked Abraham, Where is the lamb? And Isaac replied in Genesis or Brashit 22 8, The Lord himself will provide a lamb. Yeshua is the lamb given by the God of Israel to take away the sins of the world. John chapter 1 and verse 29. Yeshua is the lamb that was offered as a ola or a burnt offering for the sins of the world by the God of Israel. In Isaiah or Yeshiahu chapter 53 verses 6 and 7 it is written, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him, Yeshua, the iniquity or the sin of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb. So he opened not his mouth. And looking at the ram that was caught in the thicket from Genesis chapter 22 in verse 13, the ram, or which is a lamb, that the God of Israel gave to be slaughtered in the place of Isaac, was caught in a thicket by his horns. The thicket represents the sins of the world. The ram, that is the lamb of redemption, represents Yeshua the Messiah who would come as a redeemer and in redeeming his people would be caught in that thicket which personifies dying for the sins of the nation of Israel and for the sins of the world. In John chapter 1 verse 29 it is said of Yeshua, The next day John, seeing Yeshua, coming unto him said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. In Genesis or Brashit chapter 22 verse 2, the God of Israel asked Abraham to offer up Isaac as a burnt offering. A characteristic of a burnt offering is that it is to be freely and joyfully given without any regret or without any mourning. This is prophetic that Yahweh the Father offered up Yeshua on the tree, which is symbolic of the wood upon which Abraham offered the burnt offering, and he did it freely and joyfully. In Isaiah or Yeshiahu chapter 53 verse 10 it is written, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. That is Yeshua. Why did it please the Lord to bruise him? Because Yeshua died for the sins of the world and it pleased the God of Israel that the people on the earth would repent of their sins and receive his redemption that he offered through Yeshua the Messiah. 
Yeshua is the burnt offering of the God of Israel. Just like Isaac submitted himself to Abraham and allowed Abraham to bind him to the altar, Yeshua submitted himself to the will of Yahweh the Father and joyfully allowed himself to be bound to the crucifixion tree and to die for the sins of the world. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 8 it is written, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross or the death of dying on the tree. Our lives are to be a burnt offering unto the God of Israel. Just as Abraham offered Isaac and Yahweh the Father offered Yeshua the Messiah, in like manner, the sixth reason for blowing the shofar is to remind us to offer our lives as a burnt offering to the God of Israel in order to sanctify His name. Next we can see how our lives are to be a burnt offering unto the God of Israel. In Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it is written, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, which is associated with a burnt offering, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. The seventh reason for blowing the shofar is it is a reminder to have fear and reverence for the God of Israel. And this fear and reverence is expressed by keeping his commandments. The seventh reason for blowing the shofar is when we hear the sound of the shofar, we are to fear and tremble and humble ourselves before the God of Israel who is our creator. For this is the effect of the shofar, which causes shaking and trembling and a deep reverence for the God of Israel. In Amos chapter 3 and verse 6, it is written, Shall a trumpet or a shofar be blown in the city and the people not be afraid? The God of Israel requires that we fear him and keep his commandments. In Deuteronomy or Devarim chapter 10 and verses 12 and 13 it is written, And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes which I command you this day for your good. What does he require of us? To fear him which is keeping his commandments which when we keep his commandments it's for our benefit. It is for our good. It is for our blessing. The fear of the God of Israel which means reverence or respect is the beginning of wisdom. In Proverbs or Mishle chapter 9 and verse 10 it is written, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. The eighth reason for the blowing of the shofar is to remember the day of judgment. The eighth reason for blowing the shofar is to remind us in fear and have reverence and to take into consideration that the day of judgment, Yom Hadin, is upon us. In Zephaniah in chapter 1, verses 14 through 16, it is written, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastens greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man shall cry there bitterly. That day, the day of the Lord, this is the darkness part of the day of the Lord or the tribulation. That day is the day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet or a shofar, and alarm against the fence cities and against high towers. What do high towers represent? Pride. So this is a day and a judgment against all those who are prideful. It's to warn the prideful to repent, to be brought low, to humble themselves unto the God of Israel. 
Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is known as Yom Hadin, the Day of Judgment. May we be found worthy to be inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life. That is how we are blessed when our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. A common greeting that's associated with Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is, may you be inscribed into the Book of Life. The spiritual meaning and application of that is that we are inscribed in the Lamb's Book of Life. The ninth reason for blowing the shofar is to remember the ingathering of the exiles. The ninth reason for blowing the shofar is to remind us of the gathering of the dispersed of Israel and to awaken our yearning for it. In Isaiah or Yeshiyahu chapter 27 verse 13 it is written, It will come to pass in that day that the great trumpet or shofar shall be blown and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcasts in the land of Egypt and shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. What is that? Mount Zion. So the redemption for the exiles is to come to Mount Zion. What is Mount Zion? That is believing that Yeshua is the Messiah, repenting of our sins, keeping his commandments and returning back to rule and reign with Messiah during the Messianic era. The spiritual application is we should leave our personal exile. Two countries were called in ancient times the seat of idolatry, Babylon and Egypt. Spiritually, both Babylon and Egypt represent the ways of the world and the world systems. They are not only seats of idolatry, but they are also the seats of the captivity of the people of the God of Israel. In Revelation chapter 18, verses 2 and 4, there's an exhortation unto the people of the God of Israel to come out of Babylon, or idolatry, and the ways of the people of Babylon. In Revelation 18, verse 2, and then in verse 4, it is written, And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that you be not partakers of her sins, which means partakers of her judgments, if you're partakers of her sins, and that you receive not her plagues, because she's going to fall. She's a high tower that is going to be brought low. The God of Israel said that he would gather the outcasts of Israel and bring them to the holy mountain of Jerusalem, which is Mount Zion. In Isaiah, or Yeshiyahu, chapter 56, verses 6 through 8, it is written, Also the sons of the stranger that join themselves to the Lord to serve him, and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, every one that keeps the Sabbath from polluting it, and takes hold of my covenant, even them will I bring to my holy mountain, and make them joyful in my house of prayer." See, they've got to be brought to his holy mountain, which is Zion. And in the Messianic era, what's got to be happening in Jerusalem and Zion? Messiah is going to be ruling and reigning from Jerusalem, teaching the Torah to all nations. And his throne will be the temple that will be in Jerusalem. And see, when we are brought to his holy mountain to Zion, he's got to make us joyful in my house of prayer, which is the temple. Their burnt offerings or service under the God of Israel, and their sacrifices shall be acceptable upon my altar. For my house shall be called a house of prayer for all people. The Lord God which gathers the outcasts of Israel says, Yet will I gather others to him besides those that are gathered unto him. There is a prophecy that in the end of days, the people of the God of Israel will be leaving Babylon and they will ask the way to Zion. The God of Israel calls his lost sheep, those of the house of Jacob who are scattered in the nations of the world, to flee Babylon, the system that has kept his people captive, and to let Jerusalem come to their mind, which is a return and repentance unto the God of Israel and his ways. 
In Jeremiah, or Yermiahu, chapter 50, verses 4 through 6, it is written, In those days and in that time, which is an idiomatic expression that is referring to the Messianic era, says the Lord, The children of Israel shall come, they and the children of Judah together, going and weeping, that is, repenting. They shall go and seek the Lord their God. They shall ask the way to Zion with their faces thitherward, saying, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that will not be forgotten. What is that perpetual covenant that they are joining themselves to? It is the covenant of peace of the Messianic era. It is the peace that Messiah will provide when he rules and reigns on the earth. So they're asking the way to Messiah to keep in his commandments, and they are partakers of Messiah's covenant of peace during the Messianic era. And so they're fleeing from a place known as Babylon. There has to be a physical place on the earth that is associated with Babylon, in addition to all the spiritual meanings of Babylon, where his people are located. What nation on the earth is there the greatest number of what the world would call Christians and Jews in the world? It's the United States of America. So this is a prophecy of his people fleeing from the United States of America in the end of days when this country in the context of the whole world being judged during the tribulation period, that we would come out of her, we would let Jerusalem come to our mind, and we would seek not only to spiritually return back to the ways of the God of Israel, but we would physically return back to the land of promise. It says about his people in Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 6, My people have been lost sheep. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. Who's their resting place? It's Yeshua, the Messiah. In Jeremiah chapter 51, verse 50, it is written, You who have escaped the sword, that's the judgment that comes upon Babylon and the judgment that is happening upon the nations of the world, go away, stand not still, Remember the Lord afar off and let Jerusalem come to your mind. So how have they escaped the sword? Because they've been hidden in the day of the Lord's anger. They've been protected, just like the children of Israel were protected in Goshen when the God of Israel judged Egypt. So those who are seeking the face of the God of Israel, they will be hidden and protected in Yeshua, who is the rock that we put our trust in during these troubling times. Therefore, the ninth reason for blowing the shofar is to remind us of the gathering of the dispersed of Israel and to awaken our yearning for the end of the exile of Jacob and the Messianic redemption. The tenth reason for blowing the shofar is to proclaim our faith in the resurrection of the dead. The tenth reason for blowing the shofar is to recall our faith in the resurrection of the dead. In Isaiah, or Yeshiahu, chapter 18, verse 3, it is written, All you inhabitants of the world and dwellers on the earth, see, when he lifts up an ensign or a banner uh, on the mountains, and when he blows a shofar, hear ye. So the inhabitants of the world and the dwellers on the earth are to hear the shofar that is being blown. The correct translation of Isaiah or Yeshiahu 18 verse 3 according to Rabbi Sayaji Gaon of the 9th century should be all you inhabitants of the world and dwellers in the earth. The inhabitants of the world refers to the righteous living. The dwellers in the earth refers to the righteous dead. That they would hear the shofar and thus be resurrected from the dead. The thirteenth principle of Jewish faith is a belief in the resurrection of the dead. In Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, it is written regarding the end of days, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake... How are they awakened? With the sound of the shofar. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Because Yeshua arose from the dead, we can also have hope in the resurrection of the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 14, 
it is written. Now, if Messiah be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Messiah is not risen. Since Messiah has risen, that means that there is a resurrection of the dead. If Messiah did not rise from the dead, then our preaching is dead, and our faith is also in vain. It goes on in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 53, where it will tell us that believers in Yeshua will be resurrected from the dead. Behold, I show you a mystery. That means a deeper meaning, something that is not readily seen or understood at the Peshat or the literal or the surface level. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump for the trumpet or the shofar shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed for this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality in truth the god of israel receives the prayers of his people who do teshuva or repentance every day Even so, the God of Israel has established for us a time every year when we would gather as an assembly of people and hold a holy convocation and a yearly rehearsal so that we can personally examine our lives and repent in those areas of our lives where we have departed from him and rehearse his coming when he will judge the world and judge our personal and individual lives. It is the God of Israel's desire that we do teshuva or repentance so that our names will be written in the book of life. And that would be the Lamb's book of life, believers in Yeshua the Messiah. For this reason, a common greeting spoken on Rosh Hashanah is, may you be inscribed in the book of life. In Daniel, in chapter 7, and verses 9 and 10, it is written. Daniel, in chapter 7, and verses 9 and 10, it is written. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, and the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousands, thousands ministered unto him, and ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The judgment was set in the books were open because the judgment is set and the books are open this is seen as being yom teruah or rosh hashanah now in revelation in chapter 20 verses 11 and 12 and verse 15 it is written and i saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them and i saw the dead small and great stand before the god of israel and the books were opened and another book was opened which is the book of life and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works in revelation chapter 20 verse 15 it says and whosoever was not found written in the book of life the lamb's book of life was cast into the lake of fire in jewish tradition the gates of heaven are opened on yom Teruah or rosh hashanah to let the prayers of his people to be received in truth Personally, the God of Israel opens the gates of heaven to receive the prayers of those who do teshuva or repentance during the season of teshuva. Therefore, the gates of heaven are open on Rosh Hashanah to receive the prayers of the righteous, the repentant prayers of the righteous. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 2, it is written, Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keeps the truth may enter in. Notice the gates of heaven are open for the righteous nation who keeps the truth. What is the truth that the righteous nation keeps? 
It is the Torah that is defined as truth, or the word of the God of Israel. In Psalm 119, verse 142, it is written, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and your Torah is the truth. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 14, Yeshua spoke these words, Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, the tree of life is a term for the Torah, and that they may enter in through the gates of the city, that is the heavenly Jerusalem. So in order to live and abide in the heavenly Jerusalem, you must not only have received Yeshua as the Messiah for your forgiveness of your sins, but you also must do and observe and keep his commandments, which is following Torah. One of the reasons for blowing the shofar on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is to proclaim the resurrection of the dead. The 13th article of Jewish faith is belief in the resurrection of the dead. According to Jewish tradition, the resurrection of the dead will take place on Rosh Hashanah, which this is found in Talmud and Rosh Hashanah 16b. In Daniel chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, we find several themes of Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah. They are the time of trouble, which is associated with the days of awe, and the Yamim Noraim, those written in the Book of Life, and the resurrection of the dead. All themes that are associated with Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah. In Daniel, Chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it is written, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which stands for the children of the people, and there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. How? By the sound of the shofar. Some to everlasting life and some to shame in everlasting contempt. Now, Rosh Hashanah is associated with the last trump. In the book, Festivals of the Jewish Year by Theodore Gaster, on page 113, which is the chapter on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah, he states that the blowing of the shofar or the ram's horn is associated and it is a symbol of the last trump. With this in mind, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 53, the Apostle Paul, or Rav Shaul, associates the resurrection of the dead with the last trump, and we can see the last trump is associated with Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, so therefore the resurrection of the dead will be on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 53, it is written, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible, that is referring to our bodies that we live in while living on the earth, must put on incorruption, that is our immortal body that will live forever, and this mortal must put on immortality. Rosh Hashanah is known as Yom HaKiseh, or the hidden day. The Hebrew word Kiseh comes from the Hebrew word Kacha, which means to conceal, hide, or cover. The hidden day of Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah has several spiritual applications. This day, it is taught in traditional Judaism, is hidden from Hasatan. Every day during the month of Elul, a shofar is blown to warn the people of the God of Israel to do teshuva and to turn back to the God of Israel, except for the last day of Elul, the 30th day, which is the day preceding Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah. On that day, the shofar is not blown and is therefore silent. The reason for this is that according to Jewish tradition, Hasatan, which means in Hebrew the accuser or the adversary, is not to be given notice about the arrival of the Day of Judgment, Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah. 
the death of Yeshua was hidden from Hasatan. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6-8, through 8, it is written, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, that is, spiritually mature, yet not the wisdom of this world, human wisdom, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God. What is the wisdom of God? The Torah, in a mystery, in a deeper meaning. Even the hidden wisdom, the hidden understanding of Torah, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So the crucifixion in the meaning and the purpose of the death of Yeshua on the tree was hidden from the princes of this world in Hasatan because if they would have known what it was accomplishing, it says they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Rosh Hashanah is a time where those who are trusting in the God of Israel are hidden upon a rock. Who is that rock? It is Yeshua the Messiah. Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is a hiding of the God of Israel's people under his wings and under his protection. In Psalm 27 verse 5, which is read during the season of Teshuvah, it is written, For in the time of trouble, which is a reference to the tribulation period, he shall hide me in his pavilion, and the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He will set me upon a rock. Who is that rock? It is Yeshua the Messiah. Rosh Hashanah is hidden from the wicked, as we can see. It is hidden from the wicked who refuse to repent and turn to the God of Israel. However, the righteous will be delivered from the judgment of the God of Israel, even as it was when the God of Israel judged Egypt. Those that put the blood of the Lamb upon the doorpost were delivered from that judgment that came upon Egypt, which is the death of the firstborn. In First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, it is written, But the times and the seasons, referring to the biblical festivals and the understanding of them and the themes and what they teach us about the first and the second coming of the Messiah, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves perfectly know that the day of the Lord comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. For the wicked, the time of trouble, the tribulation that comes upon the world, is got to come upon them as a thief in the night, unsuspecting. They will not be prepared. But that is not to be the case for the righteous, the people of the God of Israel who are following his ways and who know the meaning of the sound of the shofar and heed the warning of it. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 through 7, it is written, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. For you are all children of the light. What is light referred to in the scripture? Those who not only believe in the God of Israel, know the Messiah, but they're following Torah. And children of the day, you are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. So the righteous are awake but the wicked are spiritually asleep. Therefore the righteous, the children of the day, heed the warning of the shofar and are roused and awake from their spiritual slumber. And the day of the Lord do not come upon them as a thief in the night. However, the wicked, children of the night, allow themselves to be hidden from the spiritual understanding and they receive the judgment of Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah so upon the wicked, this day comes upon them as a thief in the night. So the righteous hear the sound of the shofar, repent, they are spiritually awake, but the wicked do not hear the sound of the shofar, and they slumber in sleep. In concluding the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah, once again, the greeting is, may you be inscribed in the book of life. And for us, believers in the Messiah, the thing that we can take hold of is that our calling is to 
have received Yeshua into our hearts and our lives, be forgiven of our sins, and to be awake. We're following the ways of the God of Israel. And so these days of the end of days will not take us and come upon us like a thief in the night, but we will be inscribed in the Lamb's book of life. And we will live and dwell with Yeshua forever and ever. This is going to conclude our teaching on Yom Teruah or Rosh Hashanah. And in this session, we studied the meaning of the blowing of the shofar. We saw how that the sound of the shofar is likened unto an awakening blast that this day is the day of the awakening blast and one of the many applications of the meaning and the purpose of the shofar is to awaken us out of our spiritual slumber so we examined 10 reasons for the blowing of the shofar its meaning and its application in scripture as we gave examples in the scripture of the blowing of the shofar Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is associated with the resurrection of the dead. Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is associated with the last trump. And Rav Shaul or Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 told us that the resurrection of the dead is associated with the last trump. Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is associated with Yom HaKisei or the hidden day, which is a spiritual picture of us being hidden and protecting in Messiah when judgment comes upon the world because Rosh Hashanah or Yom Teruah is known as Yom Hadin or the Day of Judgment. Our comfort is that we are believers in the Messiah and our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life and we will thus be able to live and dwell with Yeshua in the heavenly Jerusalem forever and ever. Let us always remember these words from 1 John in chapter 2 and verse 6. He that says he abides in him, he that says that he's a believer in Yeshua the Messiah, ought to walk, that means live our lives, even as he walked. And how did Yeshua walk? He kept the commandments of the God of Israel. And Yeshua instructed those who follow him, If you love me, keep my commandments. Shalom in Yeshua the Messiah. Amen.